Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. So this week is live Q&A number 67. Well, I guess it's not live anymore, but it is Q&A um, via podcast that you can listen at your convenience. And I think today is November 22nd. I don't know, maybe 23rd. It is Thanksgiving week, though. Um, we are only two days away from Thanksgiving. So maybe it's the 22nd. But it's a time to uh, really be grateful. This morning, I was actually just taking the trash cans out to the road, walking them out there. And when I turned around, I saw the sun coming up over the trees and it was shining on my barn and my home and I could see my horses eating their hay I just fed and um, I just felt really grateful. So I think Thanksgiving, a lot of people want to skip over Thanksgiving and get to Christmas, but I really think Thanksgiving is a time to reflect and um, give thanks. Give thanks for your family and your friends and your horses and all the blessings in your life. You know, I realize that it's not always easy. There's adversity, there's illness, there's stresses, um, but there are always blessings too. So I think it's important while we're dealing with um, life and the ups and downs of it, we focus on the positive things and, um, and just enjoy uh, your time this week and be grateful and thankful. Anyhow, so I want to welcome a new member to the group, Desi here in Florida. And then I also um, want to announce that the personal best drawing for November will be coming up next, I think, what is it, Wednesday will be the 1st of December um, next week uh, after Thanksgiving. So uh, make sure you get me your names. I think I have about eight names on the personal uh, best uh, drawing. So, and again, a personal best can be anything from uh, mastering one-handed drills at home to hauling to your first exhibition to clocking in the 1D or having your own personal best fast time at a new arena or just venturing out of your comfort zone and going to a new uh, arena. Whatever your personal best is, we want to celebrate it with you. Um, I did a members highlight last week, actually two, for Rita and Danielle. I hope you read them. They're, it's really fun to highlight members and get to know them and sh they share their experience and um, and we get to celebrate them. So that's always fun. And then this week I did uh, Kaylee Ann and Jessie and she's only a 13-year-old girl and shared some really great um wisdom I thought and showed appreciation for her parents and Angela and Jesse as well and her bond with her horse so I hope you read that and enjoyed it um, I did a few podcasts for everybody um, that I couldn't cover in the Q&A um, one was about feel and timing and knowing your horse so I hope you listened to it the other one was on TLC spots and training a barrel horse a part one and part two um I gave you some challenges to go out and purchase a day timer for 2022, or you can use your phone, but I really like to write things down. I feel like if you write it down, it's, it's uh, I don't know, a little bit more in your subconscious and, and has something that you can actually touch and feel over just seeing in your phone. And God forbid your phone breaks. It's always good to have things written down somewhere. Um, and we're going to set up some, uh, December is going to be our time to really analyze how last year's goals went and what our new year's goals are going to be. Um, and, and really pick what your big dream is and believing in it and, and setting up a plan day to day, week to week, month to month to get to those goals and dreams. So that's going to be December 21, 2021, just like we did last year. Uh, NFR, I'm excited. The NFR starts, um, what is it, December 2nd or 3rd? So that's next week. So everybody's excited. Have 10 days at NFR. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, but last year we did that too. After the NFR, we set up goals in December of 2020 for 2021. And thank God 2021 has been a lot less stress, I would say, than 2020. And 2020 had the pandemic and the politics and the uh, all the rioting and and. Uh, all of that stuff going on and, and all of them were very important things and very stressful things at the same time but at least 2021 maybe we're just getting used to things and f 
finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So that's a good thing. So I'm going to get right into some of the shout outs. Um, and then I'm going to go into, I have, I think, 10 questions. And then I'm going to finish up chapter nine and also chapter 10 of the Heart of Champion book by Donnie Taylor. Um, the uh, book club's almost over. There's only 11 chapters. So, and we're going all the way to chapter 10 today. So anyhow, I hope you guys bought the book, enjoying the book. Remember, you can get it on Amazon via Kindle or the paperback. And um, I think it's been a really good book. I was shocked throughout it when I read it in June, how much similarities of things that she says that I say to you guys or do in my own personal uh, competition, etc. And um, but then I also um, really got a really deep uh, respect for what all they go through on the road and um, personally and professionally to win those world titles. So, um, you know, I knew it was tough, but, you know, this gives you really a day to day deal. And um, it's been a great book and I hope you all are enjoying it. So um, anyhow, um, let's see here. The video tips. I did some video tips in the group on in and outs and the five body parts and um, Let's see how to rate your horse one-handed for collection, um, how to, you know, get your baby loping the barrels and turning off body and leg and not needing your reins and your hands to, to do it. They should be doing it off of your body and your legs, not from your hands. So all those videos are in the group. I hope everybody watched those. Um, so some shout outs. Uh, first, Whitney in Tennessee. Super proud of you. You've been working super hard on sitting in the middle of your horse and not leaning. And your slow work during the week is paying off. You've been putting in the time and it's showing up in competition. So way to go. Uh, Christine and Georgia on your trio of Maverick and King and uh, Mega. You've been making some nice improvements with straighter longer and finishing and getting up out of your turns better with your timing. Uh, Sam ran her trio of a novice horse and two open horses and did awesome. Let's see here. Uh, Victoria uh, did awesome as well. Uh, she's looking, I think, at Futurities, um as well with her horse. Um, let's see. Amelia had a personal best, winning money at the uh, MBHA on... Um, in, a, in the, I think the 4D, so that's a first for her as well, on uh, Penny, so that was awesome. Let's see here, Autumn um, went to the rodeo with Charm and super consistent. Um, Billy, I, I think I've done like 26 video reviews this week, so excuse me if I'm hesitating, <laughs> but I've done a lot. It's only, what, Tuesday? So yeah, since Friday, I think I've done 26 video reviews already. Um, so anyhow, um, Miss Billy on um, Edward Bedford, uh, I gave you some tips for him with your hands in your turns. And Michaela, uh, China's getting more respectful and prettier all the time. But remember to keep pretty before before speed. And if you start making mistakes with speed, slow things down and get it right again. But she's definitely getting better about listening to you and being more correct. But focus on your foundation first. Uh, Danielle in future, sadly, um, uh, you know, this is not bad. She had nice runs, but drove a long way with a big entry fee just to get there and have an abscess that she had to work around. And um, so wasn't able to compete at her personal best. And that's a bummer part. But but um, but still a good effort at the uh, I think that was at the Ruby buckle. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Miss Kelly in Tennessee is back after a break. Um, I'm so happy to see you running again on fame. Your five year old and JLo, your 14 year old. You did awesome. Martine and Pistol is out there getting their teamwork together. Um, had a couple of really good runs and room for improvement, but solid 3D runs for a team that's just starting to get together, um, showing a lot of 1D, 2D potential once everything comes together. Jeannie and Guy D had another great run. Um, even though you caught a barrel, you're still um, getting a lot of things coming together for you. I've seen a lot of nice improvements from your alleyway to your timing around your first, uh, you know, just, just really great. And you were had a break and he's not an easy horse to have a break with. You got to stay consistent with him. And, um, but, but, um, you guys did really good. Um, 
Desi and Jolene putting together your baby's foundation for futurities next year. Um, Lisa and Gunner, awesome run. What a what an awesome run on a big pattern. You really had to hustle them. Um, Angela and Buster putting things together. Just get focused, write in that journal, figure out, you know, what he needs from you to do his best with fire end turns because when you put both together, um, you know, you guys are doing awesome. So just keep focusing on being correct for you and doing your job so that he can do his job. Uh, Teresa and Hope are stepping out of their comfort zone and getting to more shows um, and staying calm and confident and consistent. So that's good. And Jill and Baby are working on loping the barrels now. So that's awesome. Madeline and Cinch are back after taking time off for saddle fit changes and dental work and um, working on getting better. Uh, let's see here. Lisa and Jam are working on things. Um, Y'all are doing great. So I probably missed a few um, and some haven't sent theirs in yet. But but congratulations to everybody from all over. We're at 92 members in 20 states. So I'm enjoying the group and I hope y'all are too. And most of our members have been in the group for over six months and a lot of you for a year. And the group's been going like a year and four months now. So it's been a lot of fun. All right, so question number one. Um, the writer says that her horse feels strong, but when I looked at the video, it is not um, the horse that is strong. It's the reason why the horse is strong is because the rider's pulling on the horse in the turns. And I promise you, if you are a 100-pound or 200-pound person, you know, and you're pulling on a 1,000-pound horse, of course, they're going to feel strong. They'll always be stronger than you. That's why we don't pull a horse around a barrel. That's why we teach them through our foundation, our dry work, our drills to work off body. Once they work off your body and your legs, your hands are simply to guide. And if you're going too fast and they don't have the foundation and you find yourself pulling, that's where the problem is. And that's why people go to tie downs and bigger bits because they haven't done the basics. So that's important. Um, so don't pull, teach them to work off your body, your eyes, your shoulders, your hips, um, work on you so that they can do their job because you're correct in your job as well. So it never, ever, ever underestimate foundation. So next question, um, have I ever had a horse that tied up and what did I do? Um, actually, Belle, my red horse, Belle, I think it was back in 2005, um, she did tie up in the spring and the fall and she would get really tight muscles and the blood work, she was through the roof and the vet would tell me, you know, it's bad on the organs and it's very dangerous. And um, they would, you know, give her meds and she'd have to take two weeks rest and blah, blah, blah. So I decided to try acupuncture with uh, uh, a veterinarian in Brooksville um, and she said we could rebuild her it was probably hormones and I said well what about diet and she's like no we'll fix her with acupuncture but she's still tied up every spring and fall and that's when a lot of the rodeos were in Florida and it just really was disappointing for me so I finally reached out to um, Dr. Valberg at the University of Minnesota and she specializes in horses that tie up and she told me you, your horse ties up twice a year she goes I've got horses that tie up once a day she goes because I wanted to send her a muscle biopsy whatever I needed to do to get my horse right because you know nothing I nobody was helping me and she said just change your diet I said well I mentioned that but no one bit on you know chewed on that so back then I fed ONA hay which wasn't the concern but I did feed one pound morning and night that's less than a half a scoop of omeline 200 which is a sweet feed and this mare is pretty much like a diabetic she can't do sugar and sugar was bad for her muscles the lactic acid and all of that with her stress level she would tie up so just changing her diet to relieve uh, made by kentucky equine research ker it's basically high fat low starch it's like beet pulp and rice bran with vitamin e and selenium and a whole bunch of other stuff and um it literally was like 22 bucks a bag. I had to drive to Ocala to get it because it was nowhere near my house. So I'd get a couple bags, last me a month. And she never tied up again. So that one simple thing versus I was spending like 150 bucks a month on acupuncture and it wasn't helping her at all. Um, but going to $20 bag of feed 
from you know a sweet feed to a high fat low starch uh, she never tied up again and I kind of finally got tired of going all the way to Ocala for my feed because my hay came from Oxford so I switched to another high fat low starch and she still didn't tie up um, even switching brands so um, a lot of people get a little carried away with supplements and all of that and uh, so my experience was just changing that worked for her so I hope that's helpful um the second question is, how do I keep my riding goals now with daylight savings and winter upon us? So that is a tough one. And I um, I really feel like if you could get a light, um, you know, you got to be disciplined. You got to be disciplined. Some of you in the winter states may just pull your shoes and give your horses two months off when it's snowing out. But those of you that are in states that you can still ride and work around it, I would just set up an arena light or, a, or even a round pin light somewhere by the barn that you have an area you can ride, even if it's 80 foot circle where you can lunge your horse or just walk, trot or lope circles um, just to keep them conditioned and then make sure you're riding on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, you know, or work out your job where maybe you can get off an hour earlier, you know, one day a week if you go in an hour early, go in an hour earlier or skip a lunch or something. But still try to get those horses um, rode at least three days a week and um, just be creative. And yes, I, I understand it's hard around work and everything, but, you know, in school, but, you know, it's dark when you leave, dark when you get home. But one light might very well solve your problem. Or you can even haul to practice pins. Sometimes there's practice arenas in your area from six to eight for five dollars. You know, that would be a good idea in the winter time as well. And so, you know, there are other options out there. Um, the next question was about a stiff horse and lead issues. So um, if you have a really stiff horse or you're having problem getting your leads on cue, I recommend the three pole drill and I put it in the group for this week. Um, it, it's really great for two tracking. It's wonderful for getting your nose laterally and shoulder. So um, you'll be picking up your nose to the inside and picking up the shoulder and putting it to the outside with inside hand and leg as weights in your outside hip and shoulder. And you'll be using give and take pressure as your horse is two tracking and your front and back feeder on separate tracks. So um, two tracking, the three pole drill or even in and outs are all really great. Um, the next question was about uh, oh, and I meant on the lead with that as well, and your horse is stiff, that's going to resolve both problems because if you can't pick up leads in a circle or straight line on cue, your horse is probably not broke loose enough. So set them up for a lead departure and don't take it. So when you, you know, use your left hand and left leg and get nose in, shoulder out, that puts the hip in. That's going to set you up for a great left lead departure or a left turn and vice versa on the right side. <clears throat> so Watch the videos in the group and that will help you with picking up leads and softening a stiff horse. Uh, the fourth one was about how to rate a horse one-handed uh, if they're hot or a free runner. So I put a video in the group on that as well and I dem demonstrate on Briscoe. It's all about bumping your hand back an inch as you sit deep with their stride. So with each stride, you, you bump and release, bump and release your hand and your seat together and your legs are off and you just sit really relaxed and exhale, legs are loose and upper body's loose and just exhaling and telling them easy. And eventually they start to, to, uh, come back to you and settle. And your hand is only one hand off center on um, competition length reins or shorten your split reins um, to that position as well. Um, but you can also do it two-handed too, but this was a question on doing it one-handed and I do like to do it one-handed. Okay, and the next question was um, neck rein versus direct rein, when and where? Well, obviously in barrel racing, we use mainly a direct rein and occasionally a combination rein, but, um, but neck reining is not really something we do a whole lot of in barrel racing, but it's a good thing to teach. I love it for out on the trail. I love it for side passing, um, maybe a little bit on the rollbacks. Um, I like it just when I'm out working cows or things like that. So absolutely, I think a horse should be taught neck rein versus direct rein. And I'll probably do a video on neck reining for you all soon. I, I haven't made one of those, so I will. Um, the next question was about TLC spots and um, 
how you approach every barrel and is it different from training and competition. Um, I actually made a 30-minute podcast on that. So listen to that. There are videos in the members-only group on how I pattern and TLC spots. So watch those videos. Um, there are You can go into the search box in the group and find a whole bunch as well on TLC spots and how to handle each barrel. I break it down first barrel, second barrel, third barrel. I talk about how they're each different, a three-quarter turn, a full turn, a half a turn, um, all of that, training versus competition, how the cues might change versus like in and outs or straighter longer. Um, again, I did a 30-minute podcast and there's a whole bunch of videos on it in the group. So take a look at those as well. The next question was, I have a horse that's rushing in and stalling out. How do I fix that? So the first thing is if you do TLC program, your horse will never do that because everything we do is based on transitions of easy in, hurry out, whether that be on rail work, post trot to a sit jog, or the D pattern, extended lope to a collected lope. And it'll be the same when you take them to the pattern. Always slow down and collect going into the turn and keep that same speed and collection around the turn. And then always drive and extend and give that go cue on the exit. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Um, there's a video about pasture loops. That's a great one to teach while you're just out in the pasture, which will teach the go rate and turn cues as well for easy in and hurry out, collection in and, and extension out. The next one was about uh, what size pocket to take. And um, my horse is drifting by my pocket on third and anticipating second. Um, okay, so with that situation, you definitely want to study your horse's style and stride and size, and together we can look at your videos and pictures and figure out what's working best, but you only want two strides rate and two strides around each barrel. So the m minimum um, pocket you'd want is three, and the maximum would be five, and um, things that you can work on for that would be in and outs or straighter longer, and definitely... Um, want to be specific so that your horse isn't anticipating second or drifting by. That's how you teach it at a walk, trot, and a lope. If they're making mistakes going faster, slow down and get it pretty again. Go for pretty and consistent before speed um, and make sure there's no holes in your foundation. The next question was, what do I do if I have a bad run? Oh, no. The next question, sorry. I saw uh, a rider says they saw someone snatching a horse after a bad run. And yeah, that really upsets me too. I think no matter what, I realize everybody's competitive, but um, but uh, no matter what, good or bad, always reach down and pet your horse after your run. Um, they don't know if they ran 1D or 4D for you. And nine times out of 10, if there's a problem, a hit barrel, go by a barrel, you know, brake pattern, whatever, nine times out of 10, it's probably something the rider did. You put them in a bad position, you cued them at the wrong time, or you didn't prepare them properly in your warm-up or during the week. So um, you've got to develop trust and respect with these horses and snatching on them or whipping on them isn't going to build that. Um, so calm down, look at your videos and photos and make a new plan. Um, talk to me, we'll work it out. But everybody can have a, a bad day or a bad run. And with that, I'm going to go on to the next question. Um, whenever you're in a situation at a barrel race, and maybe you do have a bad run, or maybe it's just a bad day overall. There's a bunch of negativity around you. You're really emotional. Um, just try to, to refocus and reset. Go off by yourself. Take your deep breaths and do your 60-second positive sprint that I've told you to work on. I've done one for you guys. Um, and li literally say it to yourself or say it out loud and do your 60 seconds. Sec 60 seconds of positive um, talking sprint to yourself again and get yourself back in the right place because, you know, when you're emotional or having a bad day, you know, things can get out of control quick. You can get in tiffs with your horse, tiff with your family or friends, and it never works out good. So you're better off just to get off by yourself, get quiet, let it go for a little while, don't even address it, and then on a cooler mindset the next hour next day handle it then so all right so let's get into chapter finishing up chapter nine chapter nine was so big and chapter 10 is the world finals when she finally wins her title of the wpra world champion um tie down roper 
So anyways, as we're finishing up chapter nine, um, the, uh, let's see here. I have to go back and make sure I didn't, where I didn't finish off here. I'm trying to remember exactly where I finished off. Huh, lordy, lordy. Um, let's see. Um, she talked about recognizing, you know, where you are and releasing, you know, when and that was one of the questions, releasing your stress and refocusing. Um, so you have to know, she talked about those red lights, green lights, and yellow lights, and you have to know your body language, you know, are you showing a confident body language or a stressed body language? And what would be that for you? Your green light, your yellow light, your red light. Um, are you focused? What are you focusing on? Are you focused on the process, being in the moment? Are you focused on the outcome? Are you focused on what other people are doing? Those are things that you need to decide what's your red light, yellow light, green light. Um, your self-talk, is it positive or negative? How you're feeling, confident or insecure, um, emotional, that kind of stuff. Um, the situation, your perspective, she says to, you know, all of that. And you can use all of that stuff, not just in calf roping, but in um, barrel racing in life. And, you know, it's always important to... Um, get yourself in the right mindset before you go into something. So she talks about staying sparked. And I think that's right where we left off. And um, for her, she put signs in her barn. Um, last year, I talked about making a vision board for everybody um, when you write down your goals. And I, throughout my house and in my barn, I have different sayings, you know, like blessed or live your best life or you're stronger than you think and love more than you know, you know, all throughout the house, faith, have faith, um, different signs. As I go in and out my back door, Proverbs, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So whatever the quotes are for you, she talks about keeping yourself motivated with quotes uh, that resonate with you. Um, you know, you know, she talks about things that stuck out with her, like hard work is not for everyone, but neither is a world title, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and so you're never finished. You're always a work in progress. You know, things like that that just stood out for her were things she wrote down. So um, she also talks about having an open mind and having um, feel. And in a lesson, I often talk about that. Um, and I did a podcast on that as well that I can't always, um, you know, I have to teach writers to feel things and to have the right timing. Um, so that's what she talks about, seeing it and feeling it and trusting it. And about that golf movie, it's funny, we both watched that golf movie. I think it was Seven Days to Utopia. Um, but anyways, they talk about seeing it, feeling it and trusting it. And that's a lot of what it is. When you, when you visualize, you're seeing your run in your mind, when you feel it, you're practicing with your horse in your arena and, uh, or out in competition. And then of course, um, trusting it when you do get to competition, trusting that practice and that visualizing. So, um, she goes on to talk about, um, feeling, you know, Feeling your horse, and that's really important for barrel racers. We need to know how our horse feels when our body is straight, how our horse feels when we turn our body. Um, you know, she talks about how Lori made her rope her dummy in the dark, you know, and, and not see, not even be able to see it, but feel, feel it. Um, so it is important that you do your slow work on visualizing and feeling things and, um, and that will teach you to be in the moment and ride on Phil. So again, I did a podcast on timing and feel. So if you want to listen to that, that would be great. Um, some people are truly naturals at timing and feel, in my opinion. But others, I feel like you have to really, really work at it. Um, she said something in the book that I think her coach, uh, Brian, taught her that only 10% of people... Um, uh, 10% of people get in their zone and, uh, 10%, um, like 80% of people are, are hundred percent, give a hundred percent of what you have. Okay. They, she literally says 80% of people are average, only giving 10% of their self in their zone. And, um, and maybe only 10% can actually give when they're not feeling good, sick or hurt. So imagine giving 100% everything you do, okay? If, if really only 10% are really in their zone, 
that's not good. And 80% are 10% of the great. That's not very good. 80% of the average. So what they say is try to be 100% at giving your 80% or something to that effect. But for me, all that means is, you know, to really trust yourself and to give all you've got every time you're out there. But um, but she does talk a lot about how Brian teaches her that the elite uh, athletes that he teaches her, um, I think that was the name of the coach, um, that the elite mindset um, look at spiritual, they look at mental, emotional, and physical. Um, and I liked one of the quotes I read in this chapter. It said, if it is, if it is to be, it is up to me. So I really like that where um, we often say in my group, um, trust it, um, train and trust, you know, trust yourself and go get it is a lot of what they talked about in this group, um, in this uh, chapter. One time my uh, equine dentist was a calf roper and he once said to me, you know, he dealt with a lot of, um, when he was in Texas, he worked on a lot of the pro rodeo ladies, horses that were going to finals. and um, And he said, you know, they were really deep down, you know, they, they hauled their butts off and they believed in themselves and, um, they worked out. I mean, they were super disciplined and, you know, and I knew when he told me that deep down, I would never be able to do that because my focus was other things. I had to have my training going at my farm to pay my bills. I had to take my care of my son. My husband traveled all the time. He was gone all the time. I had to get my son to school and all his events and sporting things. Um, I knew it wasn't going to ever be possible for me to go that hard. Um, and I, I often said to myself, after my son goes to college, uh, I'm going to take a whole summer and go on the road because deep down I wanted to do that, but it just wasn't practical. But unfortunately, I guess the moral to that story is don't wait. If you're, if you have a dream and you want it, you need to go for it. Because right after that, my husband asked for a divorce. My horses and I started having lameness issues, both of us, all of us. Um, when you're winning, you've got to go, you have to find a way and um, being disciplined. You know, I, I mean, even if it meant I trained five days a week and rodeoed uh, the circuit uh, on the weekends, you know, you know, I just, you, you I have to find a way. But at the same time, you know, it's hard as a woman, you want balance, right? You want to be a good mom, a good wife, you want to um, chase your dreams too. But there's just, you know, you get that guilt thing going of, you know, being true to you, but also taking care of everyone else and all of those things. So I wanted my business to succeed, though. I wanted my training to succeed. Um, and I just had to make a decision what was more important to me for the long haul. And that was what I, I made my decision that I would just compete local and balance my family and my barrel racing and my training business. So, so anyways, um, as I go on, I'm going to finish up this chapter so we can get into chapter 10. But um, being mentally tough um, when it's not easy is probably the hardest thing that people have to learn. And she talks a lot, a lot about that. Like if she was roping bad, um, she had to learn to, you know, just go make friends and stay upbeat and positive. And you know what? What happened after a bad day of roping? You didn't die. The sun still came up and your family still loves you. And um, I think that was a big deal that she, in the earlier parts of this chapter with the eating disorder, I mean, the book, um, eating disorder and OCD and all of that, you really see her really progress to handling adversity and struggles in a much more healthy, constructive and positive way. And I thought that was awesome. So sadly, um, she's roping and Chester takes a bad step when I think a calf falls in front of him in this chapter. And um, so she's thinking that, you know, she's going to have to take uh, Rusty to the finals and um, all of that. And, and so her, her, um, her inner circle tells her to, you know, her vet and her coaches to ride Chester at the finals. So, um, so she's listening to them and, and getting ready to go to the finals. You know, she's got these three goals that she's going to give it a full effort. She's going to work her process and learn as she goes. So, um, so anyways, um, I liked, uh, in here, she says, Proverb, I think it was twenty seven seventeen. 
as iron sharpens iron, so can one person sharpen another. Um, so anyways, I, I like that she said she didn't want to compare herself to others and she worked at excellence, not perfection. And, um, but your competition, you can actually learn from your competition and, and inspire each other, um, and have a deeper connection and develop relationships. So I thought that was all really nice. Um, so anyway, so now we're going to go ahead and go into chapter 10 when she actually goes to the world finals. Um, so she's going to go to Larry's before she goes to finals to get some practice in. When she gets there, she realizes she has 130,000 miles on her 2014 uh, truck, and it's only 2016. And 110,000 miles she's done completely alone. So she's realized how much time and energy and resources she's put into chasing her goal. So um, she talks about how you interpret, how you interpret pressure is your responsibility so this is a perfect example she gets to larry's for her practice and her generator is leaking fuel and now all her tax smells like fuel her saddle blah 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 so they unload it all so instead of practicing she now has to take her trailer to the trailer dealer and get it fixed and she calls her coach her mental coach and talks to him and he says hey you know what adversity is always going to come you have to decide how you're going to let yourself handle it so that's when she decides, you know what, pressure equals privilege and equals um, being positive and use it to her advantage. So even though things didn't go had she planned it to, um, she didn't let it mess her up. She stayed focused and she still was able to um, use her IPS that she talks about, her internal performance state, and get herself on her even number, I think her number seven, on her one to 10 scale. Um, you know, it, and, um, you know, and, and re realize that this big event is important, but not to treat it like it's special, like it's do or die, and, um, and all of that. So, so it's a good chapter, and I really hope everybody read it. She talks about her 13 strategies and goes into detail on them, but as you guys have been reading the chapter, um, you know, one is commit, staying committed, and two is positivity, and three is um, asking for help, four is your comfort zone, getting out of it, um, five is not to try, but to do, changing your, uh, you know, your words and your thought process there. Um, six was her uh, three steps that she would do for her performance, aware, strategy, and action. Um, seven was developing her inner circle trust. Um, eight was her focus on what she can control. Ten was her confidence. Um, <sighs> having confidence is, an, um, is to do. It's not how you feel, but it's how you act. Um, 11, adversity, embracing the suck. <laughs> I like that one. And 12, um, uh, being very disciplined about your daily routines and your performance routines. Um, 13, recognizing when you're in your um, red, yellow, or green lights. So, so yeah, I think this book, um, she learned a lot and it really helped her win her title, putting all those things into play really developed that world title for her. So, um, I talk about in my group for the last year about having a 60 second positive sprint. She talks about, you know, having a positive self-talk that you memorize and tell yourself anytime there's negativity around and how important your uh, plans are and practicing and all of that. So, so she handles everything. Um, after Brian tells her that adversity is always coming. So she keeps her head straight. So now they get to Waco, Texas, the extra extra event center, I think it's called. Um, and she's really just super grateful to be there. And, um, she's there early enough that she gets to go on Chester and sit in the box. And she's more confident because she's been going to this arena now since 2012 and it's 2016. So she feels like it's at home for her. It's a home pin. She feels really good about the layout and has a whole new mindset to be in the, in the moment and trust the process and not worry about the outcome. So she just tells herself right then and there, I am the 2016 world champion. She feels that good about things. So that reminds me uh, when she said that, it reminded me when I wrote articles for floridabarrelhorse.com, I did barrel racing bios and Tina's training tips. 
I interviewed one lady who went to MBHA state finals in Florida and um, she always wanted to be the state champion, 1D champion. So she'd go to bed at nighttime and she would visualize and dream of her winning the finals in the short go. So she goes to the finals. Um, she goes to state finals in the first and second go. She clocks in the 2D, pretty runs, um, gets her back for the finals in the 2D, not on the top of the 2D, just the middle of the 2D. And um, But she believes in herself. And do you know, she runs in the 2D. She runs the fastest time so far. So she's sitting first, and this is the finals. And now we still have all the top of the 2D and all of the 1D runners to go. And as it goes and goes and goes, she's still the top. So by the time the final barrel racer ran, and that's the fastest runners for the whole state finals, because they go slowest to fastest in the finals, they announced that she won it, that she is the fastest time and she is the MBHA state 1D champion. And I just thought that was the coolest story because she didn't go in there running 1D. She didn't go in there with anything other than a dream and a desire to be the 1D title. And it was her year. So it happened. So I thought that was a really fun story. So um, I think that's where you have to see it. You have to feel it and you have to believe in it. So um, I think this one really um, you know, plays to the fact that, you know, in 2016, she's really relaxed. She's confident. Um, in the years before she, as we read the book, she's stressed and emotional and feeling really pressured and she's more worried about outcome than the process, etc. So anyways, um, it reminds me of, uh, when I went to a rodeo in Georgia, we hauled six hours and, um, and when we got there, um, my friend had only brought one horse and it was lame when we got there. So her lesson learned was to always haul two horses so you don't haul six hours for a $100 entry fee and have a lame horse. Um, it's same as another uh, person in the group hauled a long ways, uh, $500 entry fee to have an abscess when she got there. You know, sometimes we have to learn lessons as we go and and that's, you know, unfortunate that those things happen, but they do. Um, so she sticks with her routine that she has from home, everything down to her journaling, her emotions, her thoughts, all of that. Um, and uh, so they, you know, she even, you know, after she feeds her horses, she meditates. She does her normal performance routine of stretching and saddling her horse and having breakfast. And, you know, and then she warms up at 730. This is for the first go. And then, or this is actually for the, um, I think it was a, like one of those warm up runs before the finals. So anyway, she tunes up, uh, or she warms up at seven 30. She ties up barrel racers run at eight 30. And then, you know, she doesn't look at the results. Okay. She, she made a deal with herself. She wasn't going to look at results, just the draws. Okay. So she's going to work on her process, not the outcome. Um, she's going to pay attention to when she's in the right zone, you know, in her green light zone. And, um, but when she goes in for this first roping, um, Larry's not, not there and she's usually there in the box to help, help her. So she takes some deep breaths. Um, you know, she, I think she decided to run rusty because in her gut, even though everyone told her to run Chester, she was like, uh, for this Thursday kickoff night, I'm going to just ride Rusty and not Chester, um, even though her, her, her group told her she should, but she, her gut said don't. Um, so she held off and went going to wait for him in the finals. So, so anyhow, she gets a little bit out of, out of, out of, out of her comfort zone. She gets into a yellow light. So she takes and takes some deep breaths and all of that. So her run doesn't go that great though. Um, I think she got a figure eight in a rope and it didn't go good. So she decides to release and refocus and focus on what she's going to do for the next round. Definitely chuck that rope and get a new rope, right? So round two, she decides to get on Chester and warm him up. He feels a little sore, but he seems happy and eager to do his job. So she decides to run him. Um, uh, so I think this one though, she did really well. She ran a 12-9. So she was really happy with that. She learned to, you know, pop her horse on the butt with her hand, get herself anchor and focused. And, you know, after the grand entry and the, she did her prayer, you know, all her normal routine stuff, she blocks out the noise, she pets her horse and goes on and runs at 12-9. So she feels relaxed and at the finals and she's not 
worried about the outcome when she watches the rest of the ropers go and and Stan runs over to her and says I was so excited I forgot to video and <laughs> you do that with a barrel racer you're going to get in trouble husbands but um but she says that's okay she remembers the run in her mind so she's much more chill about everything um she focuses on her win thing what's important now um so round three comes along here um let's see here so yeah so okay so yeah she had the kickoff thursday and then friday and then saturday um she wakes up with a grateful heart she feels really confident green light she's ready to roll uh, but she gets on um uh, chester and he's lame and then she has a big calf and um and then so all these things are starting to get her a little bit out of her body language and such but she gets herself recentered. she runs a 13-7 and her husband comes over and tells her, hey, you you place fourth. So again, she they focus on her routine, not the outcome. And her self-talk was positive. So um, she gave it all. She gave it all. And she was really thankful that she did do that. So, so anyways, they go on to the Saturday night, the final round, before the actual finals. And um, actually, maybe this was the finals. I don't know. So anyways, you, you have to read the book to remember what's what. But I just, the, I, uh, certain things just stood out to me. Um, when she warmed up, Chester was lame um, again. So, but here, you know, here's a $60,000 horse that she bought from Trevor. And, and this is a horse that her inner circle tells her to run at the finals. But then she starts to remember as she gets freaking out in her yellow light again, that the vet said, you can't hurt this horse more than he already is. Run him. You know, her friends tell her, her coaches tell her, run him, use him, ride him. So he seems happy, though. He seems like he wants to do it. He's a little lame, not dead lame. Um, so she gets off and does her six times of two seconds in breathing and eight seconds out breathing and gets refocused. Uh, her husband talks to her about the calf that she drew, that he's a kicker. I think Hope had drugged him or drew him before and told her he'll try to kick out of his tie. So she was trying to get refocused and get ready and remembering her ABCs, you know, riding bumper to bumper and to um, act big, breathe big, commit big, all those things. So um, she was going to give it her full effort. So she takes a deep breath. She gets in the box and she decides she's going to, this is the finals. So now I remember she lets her hair down and she says she's going to have fun. So um, metaphorically. So anyway, so, um, when she goes out of the box, she realizes he's not in position and years before she would have swung for it and, and hoped and prayed that she caught, but instead she took a moment, got in position and then caught, ran down the line, tied him well, and she did great. And, um, Brian had taught her that your thoughts become things. And, um, this was her run that she had been watching and seeing in her mind over and over and over. So as she tied him, she threw her hands up and she was super ecstatic. She knew she had won it. Um, she ended up just running a 15-2 on this run, but it was good enough for fourth in the round, third in the average, and won her the world title. So she, you know, her friends come over to her, other competitors, and hug her. The girl that she won second or second to the year before, Carrie, and then of course Lori, her coach, and Hope, and all them. They're hugging her, and her husband, of course, and her one of her sons. Um, and then they start calling family, like her dad and her other son, and thanking them for all their help. And then she reflects and misses her brother and how much he would have been proud of her and her mom and all of that. And then, um, you know, and then she's kind of just taking in the fact that, you know what, I'm going to the awards. I visualize myself walking up there and Lori hugging me and getting my, you know, 20, you know, getting my uh, tie down roping champion saddle for the WPRA for all this time. And then when it actually happened, it was just like she visualized it. So anyways, that's kind of how chapter 10 ends. Um, and uh, there's only one more chapter. And that's the final chapter 11 after the win. So I'll save that for next week. But um, I've almost been talking an hour now. But I'm going to close um, with one of the quotes is in this chapter. And it was the more difficult the victory, the greater the happiness in winning. That was from a soccer player, professional soccer player. And, um, you know, you can really apply 
that to life. You can apply that to your career, your kids, your spouse, whatever goals you're dealing with, an illness, a dream you have, your barrel racing goals. Um, And you know what? We all have that in common. We all have defeat, adversity, challenges, and wins in common. So I think her story is something that all of us can relate to, um, the ups and downs of life and how the bigger the goal, the bigger the plan has to be and the more focused you have to be. Um, That kind of made me sad in this chapter that her horse was lame, you know, Um, but even he still put it all out there for her and she put it all out there. And um, like I said, we'll talk about the final chapter and... um, But what I really like about this is that, um, you know, if we, if we look back on things and what a ride our life has been when we, you know, they say, you know, you slide into the grave and say, "Woo, what a ride that was. I think when we look back, we look at what we learned and we learn how to love and we also, um, learn what's important and what's not. And I think that's what I take away from this. It really wasn't that championship title as much as it was the journey. And I, I say that all the time now after 29 years of TLC and 20 years of clinics here in Florida, I look back and the years of competing, I used to say it was the the new time to beat or the winner is was the greatest thing to hear at a barrel race. Um, but it wasn't that now I look back and those things don't stand out to me as much as the memories with my horses and the friends and family and those things. The journey is what sticks out more so than the buckles or saddles or money won. Um, those are really still fun and great memories, but they're not the, only memory they're not the best memories Uh, it's really the journey that is the ultimate um the relationships and all of that so anyhow thank you guys all for tuning in and as always ride with heart god bless you all and have a wonderful thanksgiving with your family this week and look forward to next week we're going to talk about um the last chapter of this book and that is the uh after the win and uh, life going on after you win your world championship what next right and um and then we're going to be getting into a new series for the group on um setting our goals and dreams for 2022 for the month of december so we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in december the nfr um and goal setting for your personal self and all of that so thank you guys and have a wonderful thanksgiving and like i said god bless you and ride with heart